Welcome to the Rennie Podcast, a podcast about the real estate market and the people connected by it. We seek to empower our listeners to make informed decisions while providing context for the real estate world around them. We hope that with every episode, you become a little more knowledgeable and a lot more curious. Hello, everyone. I'm Justine Liu, a managing broker at Rennie, and today we have a lot to discuss. We will be talking about three key insights. Insight number one, inventory in May was historically low. Insight number two, Young buyers are between a rock and a hard place. And insight number three, interest rates are on the rise again, or are they? With me today is Ryan Berlin, our Senior Economist and Vice President of Intelligence at Rennie, and Ryan Wise, our Senior Analyst with our Intel Division. I'm also super excited to welcome Belinda Grant, who came all the way down from Squamish, um, who has more than three years of real estate experience, um, but has started to create a name for herself in the Squamish uh, neighborhood where she specializes in. So thank you so much, Belinda, for joining us today. We're so happy to have you here. Thanks, Justine. What a beautiful day for a nice drive down, eh? Oh, yeah. It was uh, it was gorgeous coming down. We were watching uh, Out for Wales uh, as we were driving down the Sea to Sky Highway. And On the highway? Is that... Oh yeah, like you, have you ever like when you drive? Have you ever seen a whale in the house sound? No, no. I have. Oh, like, like seriously, like a hundred percent. I have. I've seen them what from kind the of whales? ferry, but never well, in house I, sound. I mean, I'm not like a whale expert, but like, I feel <laughs> like, like tell I, us more, Belinda. What I, kind I, of whale? I, I, I may have been a killer whale. Gray whale. Yeah, it could have been a killer whale for sure. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, wow. this was a long time ago, but uh, that's yeah. impressive. Anyway, it's really, it was beautiful. It was yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And then uh, my son actually, he's five and obviously we live in Squamish. It's a little bit smaller. And uh, coming into the city today, he like, we pulled up and he was like, mom, there are so many people here. <laughs> There's just so many people. I'm like, yes, dear. We live half an hour there, away. You live such are. a sheltered little life. We should get them on the landscape podcast to I mean, talk about population growth. Well, yesterday, what we actually did see was a coyote running in front of our house and up wow. the street. So that's kind of the stuff that we're, we're seeing. We get those here not. Yeah. <laughs> Reels? Coyotes? Yeah. Coyotes? Tons. Oh, yeah. In Vancouver? Tons. Yeah, they oh, live in the okay. city. Well, they... that's, it's not a special spot. No. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, and so also what brings Belinda down here today is we will be all going to Playland after this. So it wasn't the podcast wasn't enough. It was that we're also then going to Playland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a carrot. Really, you mm-hmm. said, okay, that yeah. sealed the deal. That's it, tied, the it tied it all in, that's yeah. for sure. We yeah. were a stop on the way. Yeah. <laughs> and as Ryan pointed out, we should have done this done this live from Playland, which would have been that pretty would have amazing. Been, yeah. Like maybe from a ride. <laughs> yes. 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 That would be a whole different yes. podcast. Yes. Inventory <laughs> brings out the screams. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay, let's we're getting off track a little bit. Yeah. Let's get into our key insight, our insight number one. Inventory in May was historically low. So Ryan, wise, I feel like we've been talking about this over and over again for a very long time. Can you go into a little bit more detail as to why it's important to to know it again for this this month? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, we've been talking about low inventory for more than a year. We've been talking about record lows, different things. Um, so let's put some numbers around it. Let's put a little bit of context there. So inventory for the month of May was just over thirteen thousand listings for sale at the end of the month. So that's 14% less than last year when we were talking about low inventory, 26% less than typical. So the long run sort of May average, which would normally be like 18,000 listings. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the third lowest May ever recorded. Uh, the data go back to 1990. Um, but of course, we've seen massive population growth over the years. There are a lot of people here in Vancouver, as we've heard. 
Um, and so if you account for that population, if you adjust for that and you do listings per capita, it's the lowest listings per capita we've ever seen in a May in this region. So that's what we mean by um, historically low. And what's interesting, after a big run up, there was actually far more new listings last month than we'd seen for, for quite some time. So there was more than 9,100 new listings, which was 39% more than April, uh, a huge increase from April to May. Um, and it was still a bit less than last year. And it was a little bit more, about half a percent more than the sort of typical May. So big run up for listings in May. And yet here we are at historically low mm-hmm. May. I have a question. Why do you think listings have increased more recently? Yeah, I think I think there's a few things. So one is with uh, rising prices and rising sales counts. I feel like some sellers who maybe sort of held off for a while saw an opportunity where prices are closer to that sort of peak value we saw last year. I think if you're like a potential downsizer or someone, there's maybe an opportunity to realize that value uh, that you weren't getting a few months ago mm-hmm. or six months ago. Um, and there's a lot more buyers out there in the marketplace right now. I think that sort of increased activity might bring a few more people out. And of course, we we normally see more listings in spring and maybe it was sort mm-hmm. of a slower start to spring. Mm-hmm. We've been talking for a few months about how this market has been gaining momentum and it took a little while to get here. Mm, Is that yeah. what you're seeing? Yeah, it's like, it's super interesting. I mean, I feel like... I'm trying to like catch up with everything that you've just said then, but um, uh, like for us in Squamish, it was, um, it felt slow for sure. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. leading up in that, what, what should have been a incredible spring market. It was like, okay, what's going on here? Is like anyone going to list their houses? And then we saw like all the news coming from Vancouver, like all of a sudden there's multiple offers on every home and mm-hmm. things started getting done. And I think it's like, it's almost like that, um, herd mentality mm-hmm. and I hate to oh, yeah. I hate to use that because I feel like that's a little bit like rude in a respect but like then people are like oh well my neighbor just sold or what okay mate it's happening it's happening again and then I think we did start to see a little shift up in Squamish um but then all of a sudden just got like beat down with this like previous uh last week's interest rate you know small increase but enough that it feels like yeah. you know the football team's just like taking everybody out again and with that being in the first week of june like we'll we're sort of keeping an eye on the june numbers but i think that's definitely having an impact where we saw a quick blip early after and then it's already started to slow down a bit since when we look at the daily data like my phone was ringing off the hook it felt like i mean that's like that feels like a bit an over exaggeration okay my <laughs> phone was ringing mm-hmm. and things were happening and i i'm i'm going away at the for the first week of july and i said to my husband i actually don't know if i can go like i think that we're getting action mm. here. People mm-hmm. are ready to list all of a sudden, like people are coming out the woodwork. And then without even like a moment to think about it, all of a sudden that one announcement last week just stopped everything. Like buyers are just like, eh, I'm gonna wait now. Mm-hmm. And that's in Squamish, so I don't know what's happening here. Yeah, I think that I think that sentiment permeates the, the, the mindset of people everywhere. I mean, I mm. actually think beyond Squamish, throughout this region, beyond BC, the impact of this interest rate hike was to it, it introduced uncertainty that hadn't been present in the market for a number of months because rates had been constant and there was this feeling that like hey maybe stability yeah rates had crested mm. yeah there was some stability mm. and if anything it's a matter of when are rates going to come down not mm. if Totally. And and this kind of shook everything up. It kind of it's a little bit jarring yeah. for everyone. And now yeah. you, I think you you see people stepping back and saying, <clears throat> you know, there's there's the FOMO I play where people the herd mentality where people are like, 
well, what is everyone else doing? And now I think people are looking around and be like, well, I don't want to be the one who sells into a market with no demand or whatever it is, right? Like it's just a very, it's a, it's a, it's, I mean, we're a week, we're a week, you know, clear of that, that mm -hmm. decision, but I think it's perceptibly changed conditions. Yeah. And we saw that market start to pick up back in March when we saw that first hold from the Bank of Canada, that signal of, uh, okay, maybe we have a little bit more certainty in this market. So March, yeah. April, May, when people felt like they, okay, this is where things are going to be for a while that, that people felt comfortable jumping back. And in I feel and like, yeah, Vancouver felt like it picked up like a lot quicker, certainly than what Squamish did. Like, mm. I feel like we were looking down to you guys and going, okay, it's happening. You know, multiple <laughs> offers are coming back. Like it's, mm -hmm. and generally speaking as like a statistic thing, that's what we do see. We see the Vancouver market picks up and mm -hmm. it like starts mm -hmm. pushing itself up yeah. north, you know? Um, and and it, took a, it took a long time, but then it felt like, Literally, it was like a three week, maybe if I'm being generous, four week of like go time. Mm. And then poof. So sales have picked up like regionally throughout Metro Vancouver have picked up. Yeah. And we crossed 5,000 sales for the region last month for the first time since I think March of last year. Yeah. So 14 months. Yeah. And it's been a like a steady upward march in sales counts. And it, so it gives the impression that there's a lot of pent up demand, a lot of buyers who want to make a move. If only there was the supply. In Squamish, like if you're not like who are who who are the players on the buy side in Squamish right now? Is it locals trying to move up market? Is it people trying to get out of Greater Vancouver and yeah. you know find a different lifestyle? And I mean, I can speak you know from my buyers who I have and my own business. It is exactly what you said. It's a mixed bag. We've got people that are looking that again. It's kind of like coming out of that. They're now able to work remotely and they've always wanted to live in Squamish or whatever that might look like for them. Mm -hmm. um, and then also certainly those um, locals who, you know, are in a smaller environment are working from home now and they're finally maybe like, okay, the interest rates are holding, like we can, let's, let's mm. go time here. Um, and uh, and those people then making a move maybe into a larger home or whatever. But I don't know if I should go further, but what we are seeing is this weird, it's the numbers that are really interesting. Like what's selling is interesting. So if you have a single family home that is, moderately renovated that has a suite ready to go and by suite like actually the suite is in it'll go like that mm -hmm. like it's it's quick and it has to be priced appropriately under one five and then it'll go like that as a, as a rough roundabout number but if you are even slightly over that or without a suite mm -hmm. it, it can be like crickets there's like a dead zone like anything over two million it's like it's just like nothing no phone calls so why I, I wish I knew, I wish I had that magic ball, but you know, I think that even those people in that price bracket are also looking going, okay, they're trying to be conservative about what they're going to do here. So you think like, if it's sort of like for like, if, if you don't have a suite in mm. your home, mm. then you need to be, con and you need, and you really kind of need to sell. Otherwise you, you just, you don't list. Um, you need to consider maybe a, a little bit of a lower price point versus those homes with suites. Cause like as an economist, I guess this is a bit of a like I look at I look at those homes and I think we well, have a suite and that's great. It generates income, but you also have space in that home that you cannot use. Yeah. So you're living oftentimes in like a condo style home, yeah. but as part of a detached property. So I, I always think there's like in, in some sense, like in a theoretical way, I suppose, like the value should balance. But you're saying that for people who have no suite, you're going to need to list at a discount or sell at a discount because 
I wonder if it's almost like it's it's a really good it's a really good point. So I wonder if it's almost like those people that were pre-approved, like pre-interest uh, rates going up, right? And they mm. had that number that they were told of what that's going to kind of look like for them. Let's say that they're pre-approved for around like a one five number without a suite. Like you're good, like that you don't need that. Yeah. But now all of a sudden, in order for you to hit that, and so it's like it's really hard to you change. You need more income, right? Yeah. So in order for you to do that, we we do need that additional income. We do need that additional mm-hmm. help. Mm-hmm. So it's I think it's hard for people to change their mindset on like on that mm-hmm. rather than just revisiting. Okay, well what mm-hmm. what would it look like now if we didn't have the income help? Because let's all be serious. Having a suite can be great, and I have no problem with it. Like each to their own, whatever makes you happy. But it also does have its like implications you know it's it's a it takes on a whole different level and i don't know that people fully understand and i'm digressing here and i know that's not a part of the conversation but it does have a whole different um which i like to sit down with my clients and make sure they really understand like you're you're taking on another person which again is awesome it's being community focused and everything else but do you understand that once that person moves in you know you're that person is basically going to be with you until essentially they choose to move out you know without you selling the house yeah, there, there's a whole set of responsibilities that come it is. with that. And, and costs. Just, and you need to go in yeah. with your eyes wide open mm-hmm. about like what your yeah. what your benefits, your responsibilities are. Like all of that matters. And just to make sure that you're fully informed, like you say. And you got to stop the children from like Squamish. I don't know if you guys know, like, I don't know what running it's around like. Running around the here. house? Uh-huh. <laughs> right? Like all of a sudden you're like, no, I'm sorry. Tyler, stop running. I'm sorry. Stop Hang on. Fun. Can we just, stop having fun. you're able to get your children to stop running around the house. Can you tell me? Um, What's your what secret? is your secret? Yeah. Um, can you talk to I'll my talk kids to at Playland yeah, tonight? Yeah, yeah, yes, we'll have a you. chat. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, like I, it's it's just that different. Anyway, look, I'm digressing, and I tend to do this, but ultimately speaking, I think it's just the picture for what people thought it was going to be for them in that crazy COVID period because the interest rates were lower. They were able to, be, you know, like for example, okay, uh, I had a client that was pre-approved for a significantly high number. Let's say it's up close to like three million dollars or something, right? Now that number that what they're pre-approved for based on like what we can now sell their house for because it's in like a feeling mm. like a little bit of a black hole in Squamish doesn't have the suite blah 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 um, and then what they're now it's dramatically different like mm-hmm. dramatically different mm-hmm. but the problem is that not all sellers have come on board with where their houses are priced at now they're still back in well my neighbor sold for yeah. xyz well i think this is this is pretty common i mean you see it with right. land values in general tend to be quite downward sticky and if you certainly if you don't need to sell uh, your home mm-hmm. um, then you're going to hold out for high prices and this goes back to that constrained inventory story where you know, you look at the economy generally, even, you know, even with these higher interest rates, people have remained employed, uh, incomes have been rising, and there, there's nobody, nobody, I mean, generally speaking, people aren't needing to sell. So they kind of look around, they go like, well, it's not, if there were opportunistic moves in, in a different market in this one now, the way things have been with values, that people go, well, no, it's not advantageous for me to make a move now. So I just, I'll wait, I'll wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And um, I think we're just seeing that very broadly. Yeah, we the line we like to use is like, you're not selling if you don't have to. And for a lot of people, they just don't have to sell. But also to your point mm-hmm. with where we're at on rates and pre-approvals, uh, people have been pushed down. They can afford less and there's just more demand at those lower price points. And they're all competing with each other at those lower price points. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody, Everybody. on my whiteboard, it feels like. My yeah. whiteboard. Everyone has a whiteboard, a whiteboard, right? So? Everyone, I lo- I'm we just old got school. One. We just got one in it's our house. It's the greatest thing ever. Because yeah. it's like all, 
visually in front of you rather than like having to go anyway that's um, true right yeah quick glance but on my whiteboard everybody is it's it's generally and i guess that's maybe around who you deal with as clients and that's like your own type of like clientele that you attract so that's all cool and then you have that situation where you've got five clients all going for the one house yeah Mm -hmm. and there, there is such limited inventory and i'll again speaking to squamish i think let's say off the top of my head i think it's like 92 single family homes from that number i think there is 43 homes below 2 million so that's a huge chunk of homes above 2 million which really is out of reach for let's say the majority for of sure. the average yep. human like household out there and then i think there's maybe six or seven of those which are like maybe a manufactured home or um maybe an older home like in Britannia, like built in 1935 or whatever. So it's it's not a ton of um, properties. And then within that itself, there's downtown Squamish has a lot of properties, which are an older home. Um, the home, you're really just buying the land. So, right, mm-hmm. it's gonna, it's a more of a development opportunity. So again, like as I, as you look through that list, it's cutting it, cutting it, cutting it. So really as a probably a whole, there's 30 homes. You know what? It, that's it, crazy. We, that's it's so interesting. Yeah, absolutely. That there's we've talked about this sort of this illusion of available inventory that that we've seen over the past year or so, where there's a certain number. Like we have thirteen thousand homes available for sale here, but the reality is, how many of them aren't you know truly habitable right now, desirable mm-hmm. to live in right now, and how many are within striking range for the average mm-hmm. household price-wise, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and you bring up that 1.5 million number, and that seems to be like a good sort of delineator between the sort of segment of the market that most people can afford to operate in and those that can't. And if you sort of draw a line across 1.5 million and you segment everything above and below, like it really comes into focus. So 55% of listings are below 1.5 million, but like 73% of sales are below 1.5 Regionally. million. Regionally, yes, for the Vancouver region. Mm-hmm. So you end up with this like incredibly constrained inventory, even more so below 1.5. And above 1.5, it's like there's choice, there's mm-hmm. more opportunity for buyers. And so all of these things get really um, like exacerbated at that below 1.5 million level. And, and in other neighborhoods, it's not necessarily detached homes, but it's still that, it seems like that is a sort of a ceiling for a lot of people yeah. based on where their incomes are, where their down payments are. Um, so this brings up the whole consumer survey sentiment that we had just conducted. And I, I know that a lot of that was in the talks and in, in the survey results. Are you able to talk more about that, Ryan Berlin? I am. Um, yeah, so every six months we conduct a survey with uh, the Mistel Group, locally based uh, company here, who reaches out to 800 uh, people. 805 this time. 805 actually, yes. Yes, we have more more respondents this time uh, throughout the region to to, um, help us get a better understanding of how they feel about the market. And this latest round of results, we do it every six months, we do it in the spring and the fall. So we just did one uh, sort of late spring uh, back in end of April, early May. And it yielded some interesting results. Uh, maybe maybe it generates a narrative that we think has <laughs> has has been around for a while, but it it, it kind of puts having the data puts a fine point on it. The the first thing really is that that I think is worth noting, just as a, a broad statement, is that buyer intentions are relatively high 
and they've increased over time. So what do I mean by that? We ask people if they are currently looking to buy a home or planning to in the next six months. And almost 40% of people who responded to the survey said that they are. That's a lot of people. Mm, yeah. We do the math and we say, well, this survey is representative of the broader region, which has two and a half million people. And we distill it down through the adult population and the number of households. And that 40% of people who responded with intentions to buy translates to more than 450 <laughs> households uh, looking to buy a home. It's like six years worth of transactions. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an absurdly high number. But I think what that speaks to is that there's a lot of latent and pent-up demand in this market. People looking for opportunities to buy um, and just waiting for the right conditions. And I think that is particularly true within uh, two groups. So we break the data down, the survey respondents down into age groups, and we can look at owners versus renters. Mm -hmm. And what we see is that desire to purchase is elevated in both the younger age group. So particularly within that 18 to 34 group. So that's the young adult, very like early family formation uh, stage of life, early career stage of life generally. Uh, and also for renters, those more than other groups, more than owners, more than older, older uh, respondents really want to buy. And what's, what's interesting or troubling, I suppose, is that the uh, current interest rate environment is really holding them back. So, um, Again, when we, we ask the question, are high interest rates holding you back from participating in the real estate market? We see that 18 to 34-year-old group and people renting and people living with their parents, living at home, mm -hmm. you know, looking or, can, or facing these, inter these relatively high interest rates, and that is a barrier to them getting into the market. So that's a difficult spot for them. And you might say, okay, well, maybe maybe these young people can just wait. Maybe they can look to the future and wait for rates to come back down. But we also ask people how they view prices changing. Where do you think prices will be um, in the next year? And almost two out of three respondents think price, home prices will be higher mm. a year from now than, than where they are mm -hmm. today. I think a lot of that is informed by the month-to-month -month increases we've seen yeah. since January. Especially when you look at past survey results, I think that becomes clear. Yeah, that's it's quite a departure. That That's 60% of people thinking that home values would be higher. Which was a reversal from last fall when we asked them. Yes. So there's, there's that, that people are staring that down in the future. And then that translates to people being less respondents to our survey being less uh, optimistic about uh, buying conditions a year from now. So you have younger people who are who are in this situation saying, oh man, I really want to buy, I really want to get into the real estate market, but rates are so high, it's pinching affordability. But then looking forward saying, oh gosh, prices are going up and it's going to be a more difficult time to buy in the future. So to that, the the the, the sort of the, the point of the insight, which is again, that uh, young people are between a rock and a hard place, mm -hmm. It's, you know, what, what, what do we do there? And I, I wonder, like, Belinda, how many younger buyers you're working with and what the conversations are. I know certainly if you, can, if you can make it work, I feel like I personally would rather buy into an environment of higher rates and lower values mm. than lower rates and higher values. Yeah. Because you can ride those rates down over time. Yeah. And you, can, you can benefit from the appreciation, but... And you can take a fixed rate. <laughs> and you can, yes, exactly. Yeah, you can do that too. True. Oh man, like you've got a feel for 
you got to feel for anyone trying to get into mm -hmm. the market right now. Like it's, uh, it is hard and it's confusing. And, um, you know, ultimately I think that, you know, stating the obvious, but like everyone's different, everyone's comfortability level is different. Um, but I, I mean, I do agree. Like I kind of, again, I, we look at those now, will we ever get back to those crazy COVID prices? I don't know. I don't have a magic ball to, to determine that, but I mean, certainly it could happen. You know, we could climb back up certainly higher and we've seen that prices didn't really dramatically decrease here. Yeah, so and we kind of held and they're rising again and it, towards the core, they're close to there you go. Peak prices already, and that'll filter out slow, more slowly over time. But yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, my very limited knowledge. I, so we're just taking a full stop. The reason why I love Rennie is because I have Ryan and Ryan here that give me all these wonderful like details <laughs> and information about like the market and where things are at. Because I'm not an economic guru. I'm not someone that follows this super closely in terms of like pulling those numbers and where the rest of the world is at. So I love that, and that's why I think Rennie having this intelligence team is phenomenal. So looking at what you guys provide and then really just staying, sitting back and seeing what's happening in our, specifically our Squamish market is that I think my advice to people is that there actually is always opportunity. So whilst you might actually think that you can't afford to get into the market right now, there, there's a lot of so many scared buyers out there that um, if you actually just take a moment and go and look at these properties and then make an offer. People are scared to make an offer right now. Like, I don't know if that's mm. happening here, but mm -hmm. Squamish people are scared to make an offer. You could mm. like, you can actually negotiate right now. We couldn't do that mm -hmm. two years ago. And do your due diligence. And oh my, isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Like you can get an inspection. God, you know, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you can actually check if your finances are gonna work out. So, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I, I'm with you. I, I believe this is a better market in that realm. I, I think interest rates historically have gone up and down. Obviously, I wish I had that crystal ball to tell people that it's going to come down. I don't. We, we're all riding this train out. But if if we look at it where it is right now, comparatively to where houses and apartments or townhouses, whatever you're looking at buying was previously priced, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars difference. So if we can just get you in and like get you, first of all, get you pre-approved, look where that is. You'd be surprised, actually, I think, what you can get. Now, again, I'm speaking to Squamish, but I've had a lot of success um, by just getting your foot in the door and yes. start that process because homes are sitting longer. Things are sitting a little bit longer, certainly up there. It's interesting, yeah, because I think when you are – if you entered the housing market as, say, a first-time buyer when rates were at – when the variable rate was at one and a half and fixed rates weren't that different and values were – at or near their peak. I mean, that's, you know, that is a, that, that's a difficult place to enter because most people will be bending over backwards to make the math work anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you know, even if you don't directly acknowledge it, that probably rates were never going to stay where they were. Mm -hmm. Even if you, you know, lock in a five-year fixed rate, that's fairly low. Eventually you're going to be renewing higher. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that is a, that's a difficult way to enter the housing market. Some that's people stressful. make it work, a very stressful because yeah. you're sort of looking at almost best case scenario for your finances to make it work now, but any challenges you're going to deal with, you're like, well, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll deal with it down the line. Whereas now, if you can reasonably afford something, even if maybe it isn't the home that it, it's not a 90% home, it's a 60% home, but you're looking to build some equity to be able to afford to get in now. And again, you know, you, you said you don't know if rates are going to come down. I mean, I guess none of us know if they will, but I would bet a lot of money 
that they will. It's a matter of when and not yeah, if. In the longer term. Yeah. Right. That that eventually, you know, that the the cost of borrowing will be less over time as you pay your principal down, you owe less and it gets more comfortable. I'm not advocating for stretching yourself, but I think of that course, yeah. there is a dynamic right now whereas if you can just figure out a way to sort of make something work, may not be your forever home, right? A hundred percent. And I feel like that's what a lot of people go into these kind of situations thinking, right? But this is going to be forever. Well, like chant, nothing's really forever. Oh my and that's gosh. Okay. And it probably yeah. shouldn't be. Five to 10 years yeah. is great too. Like sit in it, get in. You're getting in at a great time. You're getting in at affordable. And I get it. Interest rates are scary. I get all those things and I can appreciate it. I, I certainly don't want to dismiss people's like concerns over it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, um, you know, the reality is that real estate's always going to ebb and flow. I would rather be flowing in this type of a market where you're, as we already pointed out, maybe a slightly higher interest rate, as we've kind of said, going on a fixed, you know, position where you know that you're comfortable. Like if you're not a fan of playing Russian roulette, go on fixed, you know, like there's those opportunities or mm -hmm. go on a shorter term, you know, like, and then you can look at refinancing mm -hmm. in time. And then also yes. just getting in at a time where you can, like to me, due diligence is probably the bigger factor out of all of this. Like when you're buying a home, like having the opportunity to actually do your due diligence, mm -hmm. to do the inspection, to read those strata documents or whatever that mm -hmm. might look like. It's true. Right. I mean, that, this is, this is a big purchase, knowing that there's no whatever in the home. Um, and so being able to do that now in a comfortable position is going like, to be a more enjoyable experience and ultimately a better investment for you in the long run than going in when things were crazy there those last few years. And I would bring it back to the consumer sentiment survey for a sec. And I know it's easy for four real estate people in a room to say, oh, yeah, it's a good idea to get in if mm -hmm. you if you can. <laughs> um, it sounds a little bit self-serving. Right? But the other thing is, if you again, if you segment the responses by age or by whether or not you're an owner or renter, the results are overwhelming is the older adults and the owners are much less disturbed by higher rates. They answered our survey very differently. Um, they're far less concerned about higher rates and they're far more concerned about where prices are going and whether or not they're choosing to participate in the market. Mm -hmm. If you have equity, you're in a completely different uh, ball game or you're in a completely different situation because you were able to get in earlier uh, and those people are feeling much less stressed about higher rates right now. Yeah, I was going to say perhaps it's because they've also experienced the really, really high rates that this is perhaps not. No one in this room, though. Well, yeah, my parents giggle at the interest rates. They're like, yeah, not, not 12%. Us. Like, you know, oh, that it, yeah. Right. I mean, or I mean, higher. Yeah. And, I don't um, know what it, that's in Australia. I was just watching videos that got. 20% or. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, 20%. 20%. I just got some videos fed to me on Instagram. Uh, uh, some old news clips, actually. Oh, yeah. Like the one that you found recently. Oh, that was um, On mortgage rates uh, in the early 80s. It was a CBC News clip. Um, and how how expensive it was at 20% and how it was hard to get ahead and how payments were too much to handle because the average mortgage payment you know with rising rates went from like $475 a month to $625 a month. So very different time but yeah it's um, all relative. It's all relative. Yeah. It's all relative but yeah. um yeah I mean we're just we've been used to low interest rates yeah. for a long time. And the reality is this is probably a good segue into our last insight. Mm -hmm. You know, interest rates will not be where they are now forever. Yeah. They yeah. are 
You heard it here the first. neutral race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a good way to segue into our, our last yes, and sure. uh, third insight, which is the Bank of Canada is keeping us on our toes. They yeah. sure are. Yeah, we're a little annoyed with Tiff Macklem <laughs> and the rest of the governing council of the Bank of Canada because... Wait for more data, guys. Yeah, geez. Yeah, a little antsy. Yeah. Um, I heard this like mortgage broker describe it as like someone going to the doctor um, and saying, I have a really sore leg. And they're like, we'll just chop it off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. Well, so we're going to do it. Just chop it off and not even like trying to get results or look into some tests and whatever else. Like I thought that that was kind of summed um, it up. I don't know if, if I should say, I hope no one's listening from the Bank of Canada, but well, <laughs> maybe, yeah, I who mean, knows, but it's, it's kind of funny. Well, I think, I think that makes a lot of sense because if that doctor's, uh, if that doctor's reputation is staked on, I've chopped off the most limbs of any doctor around, yeah. then that's an obvious response to that. And I think here where the Bank of Canada has said, at all costs, we are going to bring inflation down to 2%. But I think this just all goes back to, look, when we talk about the Bank of Canada and the decisions that they make about interest rates, they're very much decisions that human beings are making. They're not market outcomes, right? These aren't chemical reactions mm -hmm. that we're predicting. We're trying to get in the heads of people who are looking at different data elements, different data points, and putting different weights on things and interpreting things in different ways than any one of us in this room might be. So we're always guessing about what they might do or what they might be thinking. And they reveal themselves when they make a decision to decrease or not increase or increase in this case. And so, you know, what this shows with the Bank of Canada increasing this rate, it's not a significant increase. Like, let's be clear, it's 4.5% to 4.75, okay? Mm -hmm. This isn't going to put, um, you know, anybody, any, any, any household into bankruptcy based on this change. However, it does, as we discussed earlier, create a lot more uncertainty because now we're wondering, well, what is the calculus around inflation, which has been generally coming down? We expect it to come down when the data is released in two, uh, a week and a half from yeah. now. And, and the U.S. data that we got this week, I think, is a good barometer for that. Yeah. May of last year is such an important point on that. Um, so they went from 4.9 to 4.0, and we expect a it's similar a big drop. drop. So I would say like 4.4 four to high threes is a reasonable expectation. We were a little bit wrong last month. So again, we could be very wrong this month. But, you know, if, if I were putting money on it, I would say high threes when we get our release next month. Or the but it was high like, threes. I think yeah, it was just hard worst. for people because it was like a tease. It was. Yes, you know? yes. Um, like, and now it felt with like. The, yeah. And now with the talk of like potential two more increases, like over the number of next come up couple of months, I guess, what is it like leading July in the States? Yeah, yeah in the states the they said that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. but 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 no, but that's fair because that now people now are going. Oh, really? Is it Two more increases? Again? Yeah. Exactly. And, and I yeah. I was just say we have another announcement, uh, July twelfth, I believe, and there's not much like not much is going to change between now and then. So we got um, jobs data out. We got we will get CPI. We'll get one more jobs data release, and. Like nothing that their June announcement did will have impacted any of that by now. So we're not going to see a serious departure because of what they did in June. So they very well may still get spooked in July and want to make a change or not. I'm not like we don't know. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But this June move will not have had any effect when the July announcement comes. It's interesting, like, I it, you, I, I think yesterday, Belinda, when we were chatting prior to this recording, 
um, you said that a lot of people are just sort of throwing their hands up and saying, like you had a number of people saying, yeah. you know what, forget it. I'm suspending my search. Uh, we'll re-engage at the end of the year or early, early next year. And I feel like I feel like that's a, a, a like a, a, a succinct representation of the general marketplace mm-hmm. where people are going to go, you know what, I think travel expectations are are up. I think we're going to see a lot of people yeah. who are not around, like real estate's not going to be the number one thing on their mind mm-hmm. through the summer, through the yeah. next couple of months. They've already booked their vacays. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I don't know how much we're going to learn about the market over the next couple of months. Yeah. But certainly in the next few weeks, there's a lot of um, uh, key data points that the bank will consider uh, around inflation, um, jobs data, uh, the latest jobs report, which the bank didn't have the benefit of having at their disposal before they made the right decision. Yeah, and that was a reversal of trend. It was a small it was decrease, a decrease in the number of jobs, but that was the first time in a long time we'd seen that. I think that's material. And an increase in the unemployment rate for the first time in, I forget, how, a year close to uh oh yeah for yeah. sure so that's that's a material change and it was just a happenstance of when the dates lined up they didn't have that information normally they would and yeah i mean it's like one data point doesn't make a trend but i think that it's, it's one of those things where you go well the other shoe is going to drop eventually so in other words like eventually the economy is going to react or respond to these higher interest rates because so far there's been no sign that rates have gone up <laughs> right other than you know some nuances within the housing market so anyway it's going to be an interesting few weeks the bank meets again on july 12th um and they will make a rate decision then um what's our call so i'm i'm still leaning hold but i gotta say that i don't think there's going to be any material change between last time and next time but i said hold then and I got it wrong. Guess I'm saying hold too. The next podcast, tune in to see if <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Ryan's Here prediction are... is correct. Or... Yeah. Justine oh, yeah. printed out and throw it back in our face. When we're okay. <laughs> I'll think about it. <laughs> okay. On today's podcast, we covered so many different topics, but a few of the three main insights. Um, the first one was inventory in May was historically low. The second insight was young buyers are between a rock and a hard place. And the third insight was interest rates are on the rise again, or are they? So, well, time will tell, right? Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Belinda, for spending the afternoon with us and taking your time to share some very uh, important uh, sentiments and thoughts. But before we let you go, is there any final thoughts um, or insight that you would like to share with our audience for potential sellers or potential buyers who might be thinking about entering the marketplace right now? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I'm I'm probably stating the obvious and I I hate to be that person, but I think we just are in a time where information is key Mm -hmm. um, and really just taking that opportunity to reach out to a professional mortgage broker um, and someone that actually has their finger on the pulse um, with where things are at and get just get a good sense for where your buying power is at. And I think if they're what I really like about a mortgage broker who actually then breaks down the numbers versus what it was maybe two years ago and when you were buying high and just what it actually looks like, because often that number isn't that much different. I don't know if I've explained that properly, but two years ago, yeah. prices versus what it is right now. And you might be surprised to see that it's actually not that Mm-hmm. That not that different, and then what your forecast is looking forward into the future for your uh, repayments there and and whatnot. But yeah, and I think just um, 
you know, we work at Rennie, so we obviously have wonderful agents here, but just taking that time to work with an agent who is able to, you know, guide you through this and take the time because at the end of the day, this is a great time to buy because coming back to that point that you actually are able to do your due diligence, which in my opinion is the most important thing that you can do when you're buying a home. So um, that's it. That's it from me. Great. I'm thank heading you back so much. to Squamish. <laughs> No, you're not. not quite yet. We're going to play that. Not quite yet. Um, but before we let you go, also one more thing. If anybody wants to get mm. a hold of you, what's the best way they can contact you? Your socials. Oh, social. So I'm um, Belinda.realtor is uh, my uh, social. Your Instagram um, handle. Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of old school. I got to tell you, I just, I like a phone call. So just pick up a phone and let's chat and or go for a bike ride or call yeah. me or whatever. Well, even better yet, how about we send, uh, we can give you Belinda's website, which has her contact information, her social media handle, her email address, and uh, yeah, her phone number. So with that in mind, it's rennie.com slash Belinda Grant. And if you want to get a hold of Belinda, feel free to connect with her over phone through the number that's provided on her website. Fabulous. Thank, Thank you so you. much, Belinda. Awesome. Thanks, All guys. Right. Appreciate it. And this wraps up this episode of the Rennie Podcast. To dig deeper into the data, be sure to check out our latest Rennie review and other intelligence information on rennie.com slash intelligence. Be the first to receive this information straight to your inbox. Register for intelligence updates. Thank you so much, Ryan, Ryan, and Belinda for joining us today again. Really appreciate your time. And on to the next episode, I guess. Awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah, that was see fun. See you guys at Playland. All right. See you guys there. The Rennie Podcast is a Rennie production and is recorded on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, all resources mentioned in the episode can be found on rennie.com.